it's within my power as an educator to show my students that there is something really valuable in their tradition. This Pardes Life is an original podcast production from the Pardes Institute of Jewish Studies. For more original Torah content, please visit www.elmad.pardes.org. E-L-M-A-D.pardes.org. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another uh, outstanding edition of uh, This Pardes Life. I am privileged to be joined by three former Pardes students, although you're never really a former student at the Pardes <laughs> Institute, uh, but three young people I've had the pleasure of knowing through my teaching here at Pardes. Uh, all of them teach in Jewish day schools in North America, and they are here to sort of share with us uh, those some of those experiences of being a teacher in a Jewish day school, and I think also, maybe even more importantly, how Pardes has been a part of that and continues to be a part of that. So, welcome. So let's begin. You guys can introduce yourselves, tell us what you do, where you teach. We'll start over here with you, Deborah. Go ahead. I'm Deborah Ann Standig. I teach at the Heschel School in Manhattan. I am a Torah Shabal Pet teacher and a Chumash teacher, and I am beginning to mentor new teachers in the school. What age groups do you teach, Deborah? Sixth and seventh graders. Okay. Hi, I'm Tani cohen Fraud, and I teach at the Luria Academy of Brooklyn in Brooklyn, New York. Um, I teach fourth and fifth graders and a wide range of Judaic subjects, uh, Tanakh and Chumash and Chagim, and also now transitioning into more Torah Shabbal Peh. And for those who don't know Torah Shabbal Peh, we might call it rabbinics, like Mishnah and Jewish law. Maybe the oral Torah. Oral Torah. Thank you. Hi, I'm Kara Abrams-Simonton, and I teach at the Jewish Day School of Metropolitan Seattle, which is in Bellevue, Washington. It's a K-8 community day school, and I teach 4th and 5th grade Judaics, which includes a lot of subjects, as Tani said, um, also including tefillah and selections from Kumash. Okay, terrific. So let's begin to think a little bit about how many years out are you from your Pardes experiences, or being a student here at Pardes? Deborah? Ten years. Ten years? Since Not you were a student joke. at Pardes? 2007. Oh my Shocking. <laughs> and Tony? Tony uh, and I are three. Three. You're both three years. Mm-hmm. So Deborah, you're you're the senior educator I'm the in this Vatika. Program. Wow. That's so <laughs> impressive. So maybe you guys could share a little bit about, I don't know, how learning at Pardes you think sort of shaped uh, your decision to be teachers or your experience as a teacher. Carrie, you want to start? Sure. Well, I came to Pardes specifically to do the educators program um, and not having had a lot of text experience. Um, So I think that it completely shaped my role as a teacher because I had this goal in mind when I was at Pardes. um, And I feel like one of the main things that I took away from my experience as a student is really the the challenge of engaging with primary texts and and realizing you know what kind of skills are necessary for that and also how amazing it can be um, and you know transferring that into the classroom with fourth and fifth graders is is really different than the parties baby midrash but I feel like that access of primary texts and and recognizing the challenge and and also the amazing like 
mind-blowing power of, of engaging with the primary text myself. Um, I think that's something that really stays with me as a teacher. So you knew you wanted to be a Judaics teacher before you ever had like a deep learning experience for yourself? Well, I'd, I'd always had a relationship with Jewish learning, but it hadn't been through classical text study. Um, and I guess it was this desire to explore further um, that led me to the educators program. Wow, great. Tiny? Um, I had taught for about a year um, before coming to Pardes, and I was, I was uh, mostly teaching in part-time roles as a substitute teacher and doing bar and bat mitzvah tutoring. Um, and, and to put it simply, I, I sort of burnt myself out, and I took a break for a couple of years, and um, I started to really miss the classroom, and that's when I started to be in touch with people um, at Pardes in the educators program, and came and visited, and I think was at a point in my life where I wanted to be really intentional about what I was doing, and the, the thought of taking two years um, to really prepare myself uh, for something that I think for a while I'd wanted to have a career in. Um, seemed like a really good idea, um, but I think I didn't really have much of a clue of what I was getting myself <laughs> into, and I say that really in the most positive way, because uh, what the experience that I got for the two years uh, that I was in the Beit Midrash here, um, and then my first three years of teaching and the support and friendships and uh, colleagues I'm in that process has really been incredible. Well, I understand. You would spend time in the classroom as a teacher, so yeah. wh why do you feel like that your experience now as a teacher is so much different than what you expected? Um, I think, you know, I had been teaching a wide range of subjects, and I, I really saw myself, um, I didn't really see myself as a Judaics teacher then. I sort of saw myself as like a jack-of-all-trades. Um, Parties gave me the skills to really feel like I um, could own teaching text and also learning text, something that I don't think I'd really done since... Um, eighth grade with the exception of you know brief periods of learning wow Deborah. you know only as we're sitting here now does it occur to me that really what I want for all of my students is to want to become continuing learners at a place like Pardes or <laughs> wherever they want to go and continue studying that there's something quite remarkable about young adults choosing to spend their money and their time, most of whom are not native to Israel, coming to another place to say like, oh, there's this part of my identity that I ought to learn or I choose to learn more about. And Halavai, my students, want that experience for themselves. So I think seeing that there is ongoing learning as an adult that is possible um, kind of inspired me to think about how could I help cultivate that from a young age. Like how that doesn't need to be something that you come to at 25. That's something that I was blessed to have been taught and brought up in an educational environment that did inspire a curiosity for learning. But Pardis only kind of further exemplified that it's it's a possibility. So it sounds like. Your, your own personal desire to grow Jewishly or as learners played a, a part in this process. That the teaching is not just a professional track. It's also, uh, it's, it's, it's deeply personal. As a teacher myself, I think, it's also something that's deeply personal. I, I'm wondering uh, how often you feel you have to be role models 
in the mm -hmm. sense of not only you're conveying this information and skill and uh, capacity for learning, but how much you think of your job is about being a role model for young people about what Jewish life can look like or be. You guys can go in any order you want. I think it's most of my job. Um, I think um, when I taught in Hebrew school, uh, Cantor Sheree Campbell in Brooklyn Heights when I was in college, she introduced me to Heschel's idea of being text people, mm. that we are the text our students study. So I teach in a pluralistic school. I'm not trying to model this is the one way one should be a Jew. But I don't know. I, I don't think that's... Ex um, an exclusive responsibility I have as a teacher in a classroom. I think that's something I carry with me in every interaction I have with my colleagues. How am I conducting myself in a way that people look at me and say, oh, the values Deborah cares about, those are good. You know, like we represent something to everyone, every constituent, parents, students, administrators. Well, that's a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would echo everything that, that Deborah just said. And, and also, I, I think for me, a role model can mean many different things that um, I see myself and, and want to continue seeing myself as a Jewish role model um, for my students in the classroom. And, and that can mean modeling midot and skills, um, but, it, but it also means, you know, as a human being and saying um, not everybody's perfect and I have challenges and I wear those challenges on my sleeve almost with, with my students to say, um, you know, this is a subject that was hard for me mm -hmm. as a student and, and to open up to them and say, you know, we're, we're human beings. And I think that, um, so being a role model is not, um, just, you know, always doing the right thing, but I think, uh, making yourself available for, for your students and also other people in the community to share their challenges and, um, and, and troubles at times. So I'll pick up on one thing that you just said, Tani, about, you know, sharing your challenges. I feel like I really connect with being a role model for my students and showing them that it's okay to need help and need to have support with accessing something and, and to really, like, authentically grapple with Judaism. And that, I mean, that definitely is, is real for me, but I, I think about that as a, as a goal when I do think about myself as a role model, because as we all know, so often we think about teachers as the people who hold all of the knowledge and therefore have all the answers and like, kind of like you said, the right way mm -hmm. to be a Jew, which I feel like is clear to us all in this room is so not the case. Um, mm -hmm. And I feel like just stating that you know, still in a positive way that we have a lot to learn and there is, you know, skills that we should acquire, but that owning that and saying that to my students, I hope is really their takeaway that, you know, I'm not here to be the, the all knowing teacher, but rather that we're, we're, we're learning together. We're exploring together. And that, I mean, to me, that's really what Judaism is. That and the food. Like well, of course, that too. We have to eat in addition to this. Eim, eim, kemach, eim, Torah. Do you guys think, it's, all of you made a very deep link between sort of, you know, the personal and, and the Jewish. And I'm, I'm wondering, do you think Pardes gave you an environment for that? Do you feel like your teachers were personal with you? Did you have personal conversations with fellow students? You know, was that in the room 
while you were learning here? I think it's important because a lot of people think of a training program as being very academic. And I mm-hmm. learn skills, and I get tested, and I get evaluated. And from what you described, there, there's a lot of personal work that goes on in becoming the teacher that you want to be. I'm just wondering if this environment, was it here for you then, or is it something you kind of picked up or figured out on your own? I think that Pardis is definitely a community of learners. It's a school in which we're learning, but like first and foremost, it's it's a space where people are coming together in community. And like I was amazed by how my teachers a opened up their homes, b shared their personal process or challenge. You know, as I was challenging with something, they would share that. And I think that that is not something that I knew coming to Pardis. And I came here, you know, to do a professional program to you know pursue a career and yet um I mean I was pleasantly surprised by that sense of connection and and like the types of reflections that we had in our pedagogy classes you know were about actual skills and how to teach but also really about like understanding one another and I I really think about you know those relationships and, and that community of my cohort and how I learned so much from being so different um, and sharing so wholly of ourselves in addition to learning skills of, you know, how to translate to the classroom. So I'll follow up with one point, and then I wanted the other the two of you to answer. Were those different, you mentioned about being different. Were mm-hmm. those differences hard? Were there points where, you know, Pardes is a non-denominational, multi, I don't know what the right term we're supposed to be using these days, but in terms, did that ever make it harder? The fact that there are so many different perspectives in the room and you're just trying to learn what you need to learn to go out there and teach? Um, I, th- I think that often in Pardes as, as a whole that that was difficult, like with a, um, the huge student body. Um, I think that that's something that Cara that mentioned, that we also, um, because of having a cohort that we went through the two years with, um, that we had also a, um, you know, a tighter space to process those things. So I think, I mean, for me, sometimes it did feel overwhelming that there were so many different options of things to think and way, ways to process. And I think Pardes provided us with, you know, a really important, um, you know, schedule and, and lots of different ways to do that. But we also had a smaller support structure. There were six of us in our group and, um, and, and really from, I'm remembering our first pedagogy class, we each spoke for quite a long time telling our life story and all you know all it takes sometimes is being in a room with one of those people again and those things come back so when Cara and I speak about our our challenges we we've heard the story we've heard the spiel and we've seen it um you know change and and we've adapted ourselves and uh and you know been on that journey so I, so I think it was really the best of both worlds that at times it was a little overwhelming but that also gave us the space to to work on ourselves in a you know close knit group Deborah, did you feel a personal connection when you were here? Absolutely. We could laugh. I mean, I continue to have a close relationship with several of the people who have been mentors and teachers for me, including the moderator of this podcast. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I think uh, there is a sign that first caught my eye outside of the school I first taught in at SAR High School. Uh, quoting Maya Angelou, that people remember or forget how, what they said, what you said to them, um, or what you did, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. And 
given that I spend much of my time thinking about exactly how to frame questions and what's the enduring understanding I want my students to walk away with, and that is a big part of my work as I orchestrate curricula and think about you know big goals, it's hard not or it's easy it's easy to remember that at the end of the day, all of that and it's essential is secondary to the relationship that gets built or the, I think, affected experience that a kid has walking in and out of a Limude Kodesh class and something that we're trying, I mean, I'm not, I'm not using the text as a means to building a relationship, but it's certainly like student, teacher, text, like we're all this context that we share together. And I felt that at Pardes, that that was what was happening in relationships between teachers and students. It was that we had a a shared investment in trying to crack what this text was saying then and what it says now. And I want to give my students developmentally appropriate ways to experience the same thing. You know, you guys should know that when, this is years ago, when I was young and my hair was not gray, uh, when they were thinking about launching an educator's program here, there were people who said, if you bring a professional training program Mm -hmm. into our Beit Midrash, you're going to ruin... Wow. What's best about this place, right? Because you're going to have grades, you're going to have people taking tests, you're going to have people being evaluated. Teachers do not evaluate their students at parties. You didn't sit down. A teacher didn't say you're getting a B plus in Gemara in Leia's class way back then. It's not how it worked. And there were people who said that this was going to really undermine parties. It sounds like, to a certain degree, instead of the professional thing overcoming the personal growth and uh, experience piece. In fact, the personal growth and experience piece actually invaded uh, the professional space. I'm wondering, do you think it ever went too far? Do you think things could have been better for you as uh, future teachers if there had been stricter lines between your own personal process and, and community building and your training? It's a great question. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that at times it was really challenging to hold, you know, this intensity of like the greater parties community of the year program students and all that happens in a year and, and the different, you know, minyanim and how people are working things out. And the fact that, you know, we had to show up for our class that we did get a grade from. But I felt like there was kind of, I kind of felt like I had two experiences happening. One was my own relationship with tech study and those were like the Beit Midrash classes that I felt like could exist in this personal realm of my own engaging with learning. And then there was like this other headspace when I was thinking more about pedagogically and then like reflecting on my own experience. So the answer is yes and no. (laughs) I'm curious what you guys think. I am too. (laughs) Um, yeah, I, I think that, that at the time, sometimes I found it challenging to sort of be in, in two worlds at once. So I would go to, go to parties in the morning, um, you know, as, as a Shiva student and sit and I would learn all morning and I had certain goals and that, and, you know, in, in that area and, and really trying to make myself a better text learner. And then in the afternoon, um, you know, have to have pedagogy classes and to start working on uh, goals and, and building skills as a teacher. And I, I remember at the time that being um, it, there was 
there was some pressure there and, and thinking, you know, we're not, we're not teaching students all day. How are we going to be ready to, to be in schools? We had, over the course of two years, just under two months of, you know, practical teaching experience. Um, and, you know, we did lots of simulations and, and lots of other activities to get us ready. But, you know, the, the first day that I walked into my job, and even before that, when I went to interview, I, I felt totally ready. And I think that having that, that balance between learning Torah for the sake of learning while also putting it towards a vocation, towards a career, and also feeling like we were already in the workforce a little bit, that there were certain expectations for, for how to act. And we were held um, to, to very high standards as far as what time we came to class and the way that we spoke to people and the way that we, um, you know, process, process very difficult situations and life decisions. And uh, we were we were just reflecting on this uh, a couple of days ago uh, with Judy Marcos, who uh, you know headed the program while we were here, and and all of us sort of expressed this this sense of thanks for being taught how to be professional. Some of us maybe were professional before doing the program. I'm not sure about myself. Um, <laughs> But I, but I know that I really got a sense of the balance that it takes uh, to be a Judaics teacher because you, you still want to love the material that you're teaching and, and uh, why you're teaching it. Um, and also, it's, it's really a lot of responsibility. Yeah, that actual day-to-day experience feels very far away from me, like <laughs> that, that tension as a student here. But um, what feels... What I can like viscerally remember was that first year of walking into a classroom and the day in, day out preparation that Pardes offered wonderful gifts of pre-service prep. You know, before you're a teacher, here are things you want to think about. And honestly, um, that was such a gift that we had that time to work through that balance because year one, I mean, I cried regularly. It was yeah. So you, we had all the right steps and skills and in, in, in at play for preparation, but there is nothing like walking in and out of a classroom every day with twenty kids who need you, and you need to be with, with them. And um, did you cry in front of them, or you waited? Until oh, you I'm alone? sure once I cried in front of them. There's no way that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, but okay. mostly, but no, Very but um, Pardes offered an opportunity to balance both like forward-thinking aspirations of what will it mean to be an educator in this field, while also saying, and I think Svi, you said like always find time for yourself where you're learning something for you. Like it needs to still be authentic to you yeah. and yeah. be authentic for you. And there have been times in the past eight years of teaching that I've been better at that than others. Um, uh, but I think Pardes offered inspiration. I mean, we would see our own teachers mm-hmm. who were not teaching the same way that we would re-enter into or enter into teaching in North America, but it was always powerful to look at people who were clearly not actually prepping for the Gemara class that I was in, but were learning their dafyomi or were doing whatever it was their project was. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that professional personal learning... Um, divide is, is as significant or problematic as it might have been. No, I think our, my, you know, my intuition is that it's uh, that duality that you were speaking about. It's, it's essential. If we're not working on our own Jewish lives, I don't see how we can ask our students to be working on theirs. And I think that 
you know, it does create tension, right? right. To, to be in both, and I think, uh, Cara, what you said is that to be in both those places in a, in a uh, Torah Lishma program at Pardes, while well, you're not in a Torah Lishma program, but those are your study partners, those are your classmates, this is your community. But I think that that, uh, that duality is very helpful. Okay, enough of the nice stuff. Now we're going to get down to the hard questions. You ready? Sure. Especially in Israel, there is an attitude flying around. Uh, I'm not saying I agree with it or disagree, but just to put it out there, of the imminent demise of diaspora Jewish life. There is, and sometimes it's said with great sadness, and sometimes it's said with a self-righteous pat on the back, but that, that take is out there. It started with the, the Pew Report, the famous Pew Report, and it just keeps going. And I'm wondering, all, all of you are deeply invested in uh, the education of North American Jews. And I'm wondering, what is it that you see or experience that makes you feel optimistic and positive? And maybe we could sort of share that with all those folks who are not feeling that right now. I could start. Um, I think a lot of how I react to that question is reflecting on my own experience, very pardes. Um, that you know, we I trained you well. <laughs> indeed. Um, I grew up in an intermarried family in a secular community on the West Coast, and of course, I'm the exception to the rule according to the Pew survey. But um, I felt like when I found. Jewish learning, it was like this amazing, beautiful world that was mine to explore. And I, I see my students who come from similar backgrounds have these moments regardless of where their parents are at, regardless of their synagogue affiliation, regardless of how they observe anything. And I think that I, I realize that that is not necessarily the case for a lot of young people in America, but I, I do see it with my students, and I see that there is, I'm optimistic because I believe that by giving them the access and, like, encouraging them to explore, that it's authentic to them, and rather than being, like, handed down to them in a very specific way, that, that um, almost, like, freedom to explore themselves, maybe even contrary to what their parents believe is is going to be more lasting um and i also just want to pick up on the fact that i think that you know in mainstream society people are talking more about mindfulness you know all of these practices that have become like there's yoga everywhere and you know not to minimize those things but i think that there is a there is a seeking um that is being talked about more, and I, I believe and I hope that that will lead a lot of young Jews to then explore their heritage, and with that, you know, more open perspective on, on what that exploration could look like, maybe, hopefully, that's going to really solidify their identity rather than push them away. Mm. Tony, you feeling hopeful? Yeah. Um... Absolutely hopeful. I think in in leaving uh, two years in Jerusalem, there, there was a part of me that was that was nervous about going to America, um, going back to America, and the type of community that would be there. Um, I think 
I moved to a place that I knew really nothing about. And what I've found there is a community that is so diverse. And I think uh, partially because of that diversity um, that, that the families in our school, in, including the students in the school, are um, you know, often struggling with, with differences in the community. And you know, we have... For instance, uh, in, in our morning tefillah, I think we have seven or eight different types of sidurim and students from different backgrounds that, that reflect that. And everybody, um, regardless of, of our differences, that we're engaged in trying to make that work together. And we're asking a lot of the same questions. And um, and, and so while, while it's challenging, it fills me with really tremendous hope that um, the Jewish communities in America and the schools in America are, do, do not just exist as something outside of Israel, um, but as these really vibrant um, centers of learning. And, and, I, and I see that with my students and with their families, and um, I'm really lucky to be living in a community where that's reflected so much of the time. Deborah. Listen, day school in North America is... is um for many people, it's a sacrifice um, financially. Mm. Um, it requires values clarification about like who am I and what does it mean for me to um, infuse my child or children or my household with countercultural values um, or very specific identity forming values. And um, listen, that's tough. Like no, no educational environment has like what kind of guarantee can any school have that if we're the best school, we will produce the most thoughtful, engaged, intelligent, reflective. Like no institution can promise that. Mm-hmm. But I, I see a lot of hope in the fact that there continue to be families committed to engaging in the question of what it means to be a Jew in the 21st century and believing that it's not enough for them to have a loose or tight affiliation with the synagogue or a loose or tight affiliation with a summer program or summer camp or a volunteer organization or some sort of charity, but that they, that they are willing to create a world for their child that says, you go to school from this time, you know, from the moment you walk in to the moment you, you enter a reality that's infused with questions about what it means to be a Jew in the world. And I'm, listen, I I work in New York City. I recognize I'm not in Seattle where numbers are are strained. And I think the question is just how can schools fit within a larger network of institutions that help promote reflective identity development and formation? I don't know. Do you guys think it's a battle in the sense that I don't know, a particularistic Jewish identity rubs up with so much tension with a multicultural citizen of the world kind of perspective. And do you think that, I don't know, do you feel like this is, you know, what makes you feel like this is a battle you can win? Do you feel like you have to make that case to these young people that it's worth it? Sometimes. Hmm. I, I think... Um that yeah, there there are times that that I feel like I have to remind my students that this is you know this is some this is somewhere that that you and your families want to be, and I think and I think for, for 
uh, for the most part, that's that's really true. But also, you know, sometimes re- reminding them of why I love what I do and the other people, um, the other teachers in the school, and and I think partially because this is not just um, they're not these are not just the communities that we live and work in, but it's an extended community. That that you know these are also the people that we learned with and the people that we continue continue to go through professional development with. That. Um, that it's 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 hard sometimes to get up and to say like I believe in this and so much and therefore so should you and and obviously saying that to some students is really going to turn them off right away um, and you have to provide them with enough I think options and um, and and enough ways to to connect whether it's with text or stories or ritual that they find you know their way in. And their way that they start to to tell or teach their family members or their friends or you know whoever it might be about something that's close to them. I remember that you know until I, I sort of found that for myself, not not just in Jewish education, but you know in, in any interests you know that I have in my life that I didn't have those interests until I found something you know my in. I guess I would engage with that in a slightly different way, but like thinking about that tension between the universal and the particular, um, you know, as Deborah alluded to the community in Seattle, it's, it's definitely a more secular community in, in the, you know, definition of synagogue affiliation and whatnot. But I think about, I think about how it's almost as if like, not to minimize the particular, but that the particular is a way to connect with the universal and and so that you know we can find shared values that might not be obvious. We might you know think that they're in in contrast. Um, and I feel like i I don't think that that's watering down Judaism, but I feel like it's being it's being realistic about the reality that there are so many ways of finding meaning in your life and a lot of people are uncomfortable with the r word religion and i feel like it's within my power as an educator to show my students and hopefully their families that there is something really valuable in their tradition and that doesn't negate other traditions and their value but there is something about the connection be it heritage, be it family, so many things um, that I think allows for still being a part of the universal, but but feeling something beautiful about the particular. I mean, I know that really speaks to me because before I came to this wonderful world of Pardes and made all of my fabulous Jewish educator friends, most of my friends are not Jewish, and they always engage with me as like, you know, Kara, the Jewish person. Um, How did you change your last name to Kara, the Jewish person? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Kara, the Jewish educator. Um, with a hyphen. Yes, with a hyphen, exactly. Um, but in all seriousness, I feel like, and I don't want this to be like offensive, but that there's a lot of missed opportunities when we just go to the particular and think that it can't exist within the universal. I mean, I'm speaking in really general terms, but I really think that there is a value in just like looking at it in that way, um, which I realize is, is challenging for a lot of communities that feel like the particular is the identity and to, to engage with the universal is like something that's threatening. Um, but it's a hard... A hard question. Well, it, it, I, 
I guess my reaction to that is it's, we can't educate from fear. On the other hand, it's not like these fears are completely unfounded. Right. So there is a reality of yeah. these numbers. And right. And I, but on the other hand, I hear what you're saying. We can't educate from that place of fear because even practically, they'll just make they'll make it worse, not better. Yeah. Uh, it's it's funny because this is yes, the Pew report comes out, but I you know, recently reread an article that Heschel wrote about the spirit of Jewish education and all of the need for reform, written in 1953. And it felt like it could have been written today, um, talking about the struggle of actually offering something to our students to make the case that, um, you know, what what are the goals? Like, if we can, if we're concerned, the Pew Research Study says what about Jews? About less affiliation? What what does affiliation without meaning look like? Or what does affiliation? I guess it, I guess it just comes down to the question of how do we identify what's our what's our goal? What, what are we trying to what's do? For, what's the vision? And can we um, can we not look down upon one another if our visions aren't identical? Uh, well, that's the tricky part about vision. Can we come up with one? Pardes can't, right? as of yet, cannot. <laughs> can we come up with a vision that says something beyond the strategy? Right? We'd like to talk about the strategy a lot. We're going to learn right. Torah. We're going to have diversity. We're going to be open. At a certain point, those are all strategies. What are we doing all that for? What do we want to create, right? Chabad has a clear vision, right? They want to bring Mashiach. Right. That's a pretty good vision. Uh, other Jewish groups have a pretty good vision. They want tikkun olam. They want the, uh, to bring a a, hum, a humanism-based, moral, ethical uh, view to the world. But what what's the vision? And you're right. We're in this trap because every time we come up with one, that seems it ends up being divisive. But we don't have one. Then we just sit around asking, well, what's, what are we doing all this for? Like, this is nice and this is good, but... So this might be a cop-out, but when you said that, I, I mean, we all come from very different communities, but I feel like we all would get behind the fact that we want to develop Jewish identity, which, of course, begs definition. Right. And, and, and the that, why. And why, purpose. Why do we want to develop why. Jewish identity? It's a tough one, right? <laughs> Do you feel like you can answer that question for yourself, Tony? Why do I want to develop Jewish identity? For yourself. Um, yeah, I mean, for myself, because my identity and, and the way that I relate to that is the most important thing. If I can't come to terms with my own identity and what it means to me, then what am I doing here? Like, I, I think it's, it's a little bit harder when you have so many other players, right? This is not just a community of people who are even... You know, just fifty percent like me. Um, these, you know, we're we're talking about communities with with a lot of diversity and and a lot of different goals. And so we can say that our goal is education, right? Strong education, training. Um, you know, text-driven Jewish studies teachers and Jewish day schools. Um, but exactly exactly as you said, you know, that's getting us to the next point. And then where do we go after that? Um, and I'm not, we need all that for. Right. What do we need? And, and I'm saying here with you, I don't know if Pardes provided you with an answer, right? What is all this text learning and all this engagement ultimately supposed to produce? I think there was something implicit, right? We wanted you to really believe that this was an incredible way of life that will change you and your families and your communities and ultimately the world. We wanted you to believe that. But uh, I sometimes question if we ever really make the case uh, and where that goes. 
So, wow, I have a lot of questions about Pardes now also. So, <laughs> good question, so. Uh, so, here's, here's the tough one, and this is the last question. We're, we'll close with this one. Uh, I, I know you're not going to like this question, but we can either phrase it nicely, like, what are your aspirations now? You've done this program. You've now been teaching. You're experienced teachers. Uh, you're all accomplished people and, and professionals. What, what, what's your aspiration? Where do you want to get to, ideally? Deborah, you can go first. Because yeah. I know you don't want to. <laughs> no, I um, Personally, I always want to continue learning and um, continue to probe those questions because I think I'm very much animated by that question of le shame ma for all of this. Like, where are we ultimately going um, in the world of Jewish education? I'm... Personally, having been in a school or been teaching for a bunch of years, I'm professionally interested in what keeps teachers fresh and what keeps teachers learning and how not only novice teachers but teachers who have been in the field for longer continue to develop and grow, kind of modeling those same values we have for our students, but um, at a period when it's more typical for people to get in their groove and feel good about the groove and then continue doing what they've been doing for 20 years, and I, I wonder about that. And so I'm professionally curious about that. And I'm also curious professionally about those non-tangible goals that we have, be they social and emotional or the relational, and how can we balance our academic goals with our... Um, Character building goals for our students. So, what's your job title ten years from now? Come back to me then. <laughs> I hope I'm around, Tony. Please. Go. <laughs> um, I, I think one of the one of the things that that I've learned um, certainly in in these walls and the walls of the Baby Josh, but but also outside is. Um, that there there isn't really an end goal, at least not not for myself. I, th I think when I look at um, the teachers that I've had here and and also teachers and role models in the United States, um, they're constantly showing me um, that you can always improve yourself as a teacher, and you know education is is always changing, and we can always adapt ourselves. And um, you know the three of us are here for for two weeks. Just two weeks in, in a summer, but um, to keep developing ourselves and, um, and and to learn with and from each other, and also from our teachers, who you know even even in the last three years or five years or I'm sure ten years um, have continued to develop themselves and continued to uh, to challenge themselves and, and the people around them. So um, I think I think for myself, I just want to keep engaging with that. Um, at a certain point. Am I going to want something else? Uh, maybe, and I hope that that'll be clear. But, Do you think you're still in the classroom ten years from now? I'm still in a classroom. Um, I don't. I don't know if it's a classroom with four walls. Uh, um, mm -hmm. I. I would love to bring some of the more formal teaching experience um, to the outdoors, and uh, which is sort of how I first connected as a teenager. Maybe not first connected, but again connected as a teenager with Jewish learning, and maybe to bring some of the Jewish Day School world and resources uh, to climbing mountains or uh, canoeing or I don't know, something like that. But still a teacher, yeah. So it's actually something that I've been thinking about a lot as I transition out of my novice years. You <laughs> transition. You are no longer a novice. It's official. Yes. You're not a novice. Right now. So 
I, I mean, similar to what Tani said, I definitely, I identify as being a Jewish educator. And I think that the reason why I came to that is because of my own connection with learning and how I just want to share that. And so as I think about it, I love working with children. I think there's such amazing just beauty in the way that they engage and their wonder. Um, but I've been thinking more about how to meet other people, you know, the, not the people who send their kids to day school, and and to, you know, open more Jewish experiences um, to people who don't necessarily seek it out or maybe they're uncomfortable with a, a normative space um, and to help them connect with, with ritual in a meaningful way, which... I mean, I really believe is education because it's like, you know, how do I open this to, for someone? Um, I ten years is a long time. Um, it goes by quicker mm, than you think. Yeah, yeah. It really does, yeah. <laughs> so I, I guess I, I, I want to say that for sure, yes, I will be engaging with Jewish learning, um, and and I I feel this pull towards meeting families in their experience um so beyond my students um so i don't know what environment that will happen in maybe it doesn't even exist yet well i think we're gonna have to do another episode 10 years from now with all of you and check in to see uh what happens anything that you would like to add that we didn't cover that you think is important for people to understand sort of this pro what how this program has impacted you being a member of the Pardes community and how it's affected your lives as Jewish educators. Yeah, it's doesn't stop when you're mm -hmm. done learning there. Like those two years you, I, I'm coming back here because I love this place and And you're a mentor now. Yeah. Kind of wild. There. Yeah, no, it's um I've actually had the opportunity to sit and think about my own teaching as a learner for two years, and now this is the second time I get to come back and actually think with Kara and Tani about some of the things they're thinking about in their classrooms. And there's there's really like this larger community of teachers with whom you mm -hmm. begin to collaborate, and that's really powerful. Very special. Yeah. yeah. So if you hear a graduate of the Praise Programs come into your school, you're psyched about that. That's a good thing. Absolutely. A, a graduate or uh, or a former teacher, I sometimes turn around when I'm teaching and there's a Part Ace teacher, you know, standing in the window yes. <laughs> looking at me. And um, But but I think also something that, that Deborah said, I mean, the, the opportunity that we had, you know, this summer to come back and to learn with, you know, one of our own, someone who... Uh, who is not in the same cohort as us, um, but I know Deborah from New York and from other curriculum workshops. And um, any time that I'm in a room with another Pardes Educators program teacher, there's this shared language. I'm lucky enough to to have some of them in in my community, and right. whether it's at a Shabbat meal or um, you know um, our email listserv, um, but, but I remember the first, uh, in, in March of my first year teaching, going to a retreat that was held, and all of our teachers were there, and it was like, wow, those people are from cohort one, can you believe that, cohort <laughs> one, and that's cohort three, and cohort five and cohort eight are hanging out together, this is so cool, and coming back to Pardes in for the summers is kind of like... I have a feeling, I don't really know what this feels like, but to, to be, you know, a starter on the football team and to come back <laughs> five years later for homecoming and, uh, 
it's it's really wild and uh so thank you to to deborah for for also for working with us this summer and uh, it's really been an amazing experience i'll echo what they said i think it's it's just a really amazing experience to have had this personal professional experience that we all can refer back to and while of course we're all individuals that we really we kind of have like a shared history and with that that shared language and being able to collaborate with people who have that um, particularly for me because I don't have a lot of Judaic studies um, colleagues to be able to turn to my Pardes network is invaluable. Okay, I want to uh, close by just telling all of you, I, I assume anybody listening, uh, these articulate, bright, sensitive, passionate people, those are the people I get to teach. Okay? <laughs> uh, and so I have one of the best and maybe even easiest teaching jobs uh, in the entire world. Uh, they all, you all, have a much, much harder job. And uh, it is really with just a profound sense of respect and also amazement uh, at the energy and commitment that you bring to what you do. Uh, and I can only tell you that here at Pardes, we, we feel tremendous pride of having played a part in uh, getting you started and launched in this career. And uh, I hope people listening get a sense of uh, how special these people are and uh, how much they have given uh, to young people and how much they're going to continue to give. So on behalf of the Jewish people <laughs> and the Pardes Institute, uh, I thank all of you and congratulate you. And uh, what can I tell you? I'm a proud parent sitting here right now. <laughs> uh, and it's a great experience. So this is it for this episode of this Pardes Life, and we look forward to doing more of them. Thank you for listening. This Pardes Life is an original podcast production from the Pardes Institute of Jewish Studies. For more original Torah content, please visit www.elmad.pardes.org. E-L-M-A-D.pardes.org.